Welcome to the Radiant Visalia podcast. Join us at one of our two services, 9 a.m. and 1045 a.m. Download the Church Center app or visit our website, radiantvisalia.com, to stay connected with us. All right, enjoy. in faith, we trust God, and this enables us to release things to Him. We don't release things to people that we don't trust. As we walk in faith, it enables us to trust God. We can not only release things to Him, but we can reach out. And so I want to talk about uh, trusting God to the point where we can release things and reach out to people. Um. Abraham, again, is the father of the faith, and he really modeled this for us well. I think when we talk about Abraham, we typically think of the story of him being willing to go. And he had no idea where he was going, but he was willing to go. And that's what we, that's what we talk about when we talk about Abraham being a man of faith, that he blindly walked out into the desert. But there's quite a few other things that Abraham did that modeled for us a life of faith. And I was kind of, uh, I've been excited to dive into the story and see those things. Isaiah the prophet writes about Abraham. Listen to me, you who follow after righteousness and thirst for the living God. Fasten your eyes on the rock from which you were cut. Give your attention to Abraham, your father. For I called him when he was alone and unknown. I blessed him and multiplied him. For the Lord shall restore all the wasted wasted place and make wells of living water spring forth in the desert. Joy and voices of thanksgiving and gladness can be heard again. Give me your attention, my people. Set your eyes on Abraham. Abraham definitely has something to say to us. Or at least Isaiah seems to think so. So let's look at the life of Abraham and learn about trusting God through release and reach. Uh, You know, I didn't even write down the reference. I'll get it for you, though. I think it's 51. Uh, Abraham, if you remember, was given a mandate and a promise from God. Let me read it from you from Genesis chapter 12. The Lord has said to Abram, Go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you I will curse. And all the peoples on the earth will be blessed through you. So Abram went, as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he set out from Haran. He took his wife, Sarah, and his nephew, Lot, all the possessions they had accumulated and the people they had acquired in Haran. And they set out for the land of Canaan, and they arrived there. So there was this promise given to Abraham. His name's not yet Abraham, but we're just going to call him Abraham uh, for the sake of confusion. And we'll call Sarah, Sarah. So Abraham and Sarah, even though that's to come. So not long after Abraham arrives in the promised land, a famine hit and he had to go south to Egypt. Abraham knew when he set out um, that the Egyptians would think his wife was beautiful. He knew when he started south that the Egyptians would think 
his wife was beautiful, and he feared that they would kill him for her, that in order to get to her, they'd get rid of him. So he asks Sarah to say that she's his sister. Have you guys heard this before? Is this a familiar story to you guys? So Abraham asked Sarah if she'd be willing to tell them that she was his sister so that he might live. What's really interesting about the story, and I didn't actually know it, is that Sarah was his sister. Yeah, his half-sister. And what I thought was really interesting about that is that Abraham didn't lie. He told a half-truth. He was selective. This was his half-sister. Same dad, different mom. And Abraham says, I know, I know which side of this I'm going with. Tell him you're my sister and not your husband because I'm scared for my own life. This, uh, this half-truth, um, I don't know if you guys tell these. I do. Uh, these are, these are typ- typically designed for me to save your own rear. And, and this is no different for Abraham. He told part of the truth, and it was to save his own life. So Sarah was taken, just as Abraham thought would happen, into Pharaoh's house. And Abraham was actually treated really well for her sake. But the Lord was upset and plagued Pharaoh. And uh, he plagued Pharaoh because of really because of Abraham and Sarah. So like most lies or half-truths, it came out. It was exposed. And Pharaoh comes to Abraham and he says, What have you done to me? Why didn't you tell me she was your wife? Why did you say she is my sister? So I took her to be my wife. Now then, here is your wife. Take her and go. So I want to point something out to you, because Abraham received a promise from God that he would be blessed and be a blessing to the nations. And here we see the exact opposite thing playing out. He's now bringing a curse on Pharaoh's house. And what I notice as I read Genesis 12 and 13 is because he's forced from Canaan to Egypt because of famine, he starts to get in a survival mode. He starts saying things like this, I may be well, that I may be left alone, that my life may be spared. And I believe that somewhere along the line, Abraham lost his calling. God had given him a calling. I'm going to bless you and you're going to be a blessing to the nations. Now here Abraham is bringing not a blessing on Pharaoh's house, but a curse because he's in a mode where he's trying to save his own life. He was not a source of blessing. He was a source of trouble for Pharaoh. God, at this point in Abraham's life, is not able to use him because his life isn't any longer marked with the willingness that it once was or the selflessness that it once was. Abraham had lost the very thing that had made him great. And this is what's, this is what's really cool about Abraham. Is, is look at what he does when he leaves. 
Now Abraham was very rich in livestock, in silver and in gold. I believe this is the beginning of chapter 13. And he journeyed from Negev as far as Bethel to the place where his tent had been at the beginning. To the place where he had made an altar at the first. And there Abram called upon the name of the Lord. This is what's really cool about Abraham. Step by step, he walked back to that place. And this is what repentance is for many of us. A journey back to that place of our first love. Abraham makes this pilgrimage back to that place and again worships the Lord by building an altar to him. I want to go ahead and say that Abraham had lost his altar. Become so consumed with himself that he had lost sight of God. And he comes back to the place where he once was and again worships and again builds an altar to the Lord. He had lost the very thing that had made him great. This is, what's, this is what, it gets even better because after he, after he repents, how many of you have ever experienced repentance where, where you actually, you, you've done something bad, you, you feel bad, you know you shouldn't have said that, done that. You go maybe to the Lord or to that person or to both. And you repent. And you go back to that place where you once were. And, uh, and, 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 and then you're immediately given an opportunity to go again, huh? Because the same situa- situation arises. I shouldn't have responded like that. I totally lashed out at my kids. Well, guess what? Your kids will give you another opportunity immediately. to bear fruit in keeping with repentance. So th- listen to what happens immediately after he repents. So, so Abraham, get this, he comes back to the altar. Lord, I- I've lost my calling. You've called me to be blessed by you and to be a blessing to the nations. That's not what's going down in my life right now. I repent. I want to be open-handed. I want to be who you've called me to be. And uh, immediately he's given an opportunity to do things differently. Uh, Let's pick up in verse, I believe it's uh, 5. Lot also, who went with Abram, had flocks and herds and tents. This is Abraham's nephew. Now the land was not able to support them, that they might dwell together, for their possessions were so great that they could not dwell together. And there was strife between the herdsmen of Abram's livestock and the herdsmen of Lot's livestock. The Canaanites and the Perizzites then dwelt in the land. So Abram said to Lot, Please, let there be no strife between you and me, and between my herdsmen and your herdsmen, for we are brethren. Is not the whole land before you? Please separate from me. If you take the left, then I will go to the right. Or if you go to the right, then I will go to the left. And Lot lifted his eyes and saw the plain of Jordan, that it was well watered everywhere. This is before the Lord had destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. Like the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt, as you go toward Zor. Then Lot chose for himself all the plain of Jordan, and Lot journeyed east. And they separated from each other. Abraham dwelt in the land of Canaan. And Lot dwelt in the cities of the plain and pitched his tent even as far as Sodom. The land there was parched. The land was cramped. 
there was a strife, a dispute, a division between Abraham's herdsmen and Lot's herdsmen. The Canaanites and the Perizzites dwelt also in the land. So Abe says to uh, so Abraham says to Lot, his nephew, "Hey, look, let there be no strife between us. We're brothers. Lay, let's let's not have any dispute between us. We're brothers." And uh, what I want to say to us as a church is that. You know, this, this was directly connected to Abraham understanding that they had enemies. That the Canaanites were on one side, that the Perizzites were on the other. So then, what Abraham says is, look, Lot, we've got real enemies. Why would there be strife between us? We're brothers. And what a message this is for our families this holiday season. What a message this is for our churches. We have a real enemy, church. We have real problems to the right and to the left. So why would there be strife between us? We're brothers. Abraham, if you remember this, um, Abraham, on his journey to Haran, had lost his brother, Lot's father. So Abraham had taken Lot in and adopted Lot. When, remember when we, led, when we read in Genesis 12, Abraham gets the word from the Lord that says, Go. He grabs his wife and he grabs Lot. And in my mind, what I can picture is a nephew going, you got to get me out of here. I can't stay in this podunk town, man. I'm going to die here. Take me out of this place, you know. And so Abraham takes Lot when Lot's in a really vulnerable place. And he adopts Lot as his own. He cared for him. He looked after him. He took Lot under his wing Lot was doing well himself because of the kindness, generosity, and protection of Abraham. Lot was flourishing because Abraham had been generous towards him. Abraham was the patriarch of the family. And he was entitled to complete leadership over the clan. Abraham actually could have crushed Lot as his elder. Tradition, the laws of the day, common sense, and simple survival should have led Lot to relinquish the territory to his elder. He was his superior. He was his benefactor. Common sense should have led him to relinquish Not only should have Lot done this, but Lot should have done this um, with a grateful heart. With thanks, he should have done this. This shouldn't have even uh, been like um, pulling teeth. This should have come easy for Lot. And I can imagine there's a, you know, <laughs> there's a, the herdsmen are at each other. 
Lot now has flourished. He's got cattle and herdsmen, and he himself is a wealthy man because of his connection with Abraham. And their herdsmen start going at it because the land isn't producing enough for them. And in my mind, this dispute arises. Abraham goes to Lot and says, Hey, look, men, there shouldn't be any strife between us. We've got real problems and a real enemy, and me and you are brothers. This isn't worth fighting over. And I can just hear in the back of my head Abraham's herdsmen. What? Crush him. What a punk. Are you kidding me? Exercise your right as the elder. How ungrateful. I guarantee Abraham's getting fed with these lies. After all you've done for him, he treats you like this? Voices. You've got seniority. You took him in when he was nothing. You were here First, all true. But Abraham had this different focal point. We're brothers. And, and then Lot commits the ultimate affront. He, so Abraham says, okay, we'll cut this sandwich in half. And then Lot takes the bigger half of the sandwich He chose, Lot chose what appeared to be the better place, and he left Abraham with the more difficult land. And I, I, you know, this is probably hard for us to understand, but let me tell you, this is nothing short of betrayal. This is no small thing. I think we have a hard time understanding this because we don't live then and don't have the value system that they, that they did. But this is nothing short of betrayal. What's even worse is that Lot seems to be right here turning his back on the promised land. Can you imagine he and his uncle getting together and conspiring, adventuring, setting out, voyaging, saying, man, God's going to do something great. There's a sense of destiny that we have together. And then because things got rough and because there was famine, it seems as if Lot is turning his back on that promise because the, the property that he chose fell outside of the lines of the promised land. And Lot is essentially saying to Abraham, peace. I've got what I want. And I'm not interested in contending for what God has for us any longer. I want what's in front of me. Abraham showed us earlier, remember we, we read about what we do when we've sinned. When he returns, rebuilds the altar and worships the Lord. But Abraham also teaches us what we do when we're sinned against. This is incredible to me. Lot, because Lot has sinned against Abraham. Lot has betrayed Abraham. And Abraham is able to trust to the point where he is able to release 
and reach out to Lot. And we'll see this. He doesn't hold on. He doesn't fight for his rights. He lets go. And he, in faith, releases Lot. There's probably, like I said, thousands of voices. And Abraham seems only interested in the voice of the Lord. Probably hundreds of people chiming in, telling him what should have happened. And Abraham seems, um, seems, yeah, he seems only interested in what God would say. Abraham seems to be okay to lose face with men just as long as he doesn't lose the face of God in his life. We see Abraham seeking the blessing and favor of God, refusing to fight for his rights and refusing to become bitter. We have all sinned. I'm going to go ahead and step out in faith and say that. We've all sinned and we've all been sinned against. Am I right? We've all sinned. We've all been sinned against And I think that today, faith is calling us, faith is inviting us uh, to release our bitterness. When someone sins against us, we become bitter. When you sin, you feel guilty or convicted. When someone sins against you, you become bitter. Bitterness is our response to somebody else's sin against us. Uh, how many know bitterness is pretty easy to justify? And you feel even pretty legit in it. And when, actually when someone comes to you and says this to you. Oh, you seem bitter. You say, of course I'm bitter. Do you know what they did to me? Of course. How could I be anything but Bitter. Do you know what happened? Let me tell you what happened. You justify and legitimize bitterness by saying, you know, rehearsing lines in your head. Oh, you don't know what I've been through. Even when people invite you into the truth, you say, you don't know what I've been through. That's not for me. You don't understand. Are you a bitter person? Bitterness is unrelated. The reason, I'm hoping this will make sense at some point. I think there's a reason we're sharing this message today. Bitterness is unrelated to the magnitude of the offense. And has more to do with the proximity of the offense. Has nothing to do with how big it was. Has everything to do with how close it was. It's often tied to a feeling of betrayal. After all I did for you. You treat me like this. Bled for you, sweat for you, poured it out for you. 
And this is how you treat me. This is what you do to me. If a stranger sins against you, you're not going to get bitter. If a perfect stranger breaks into your home, takes your stuff, you're not going to get bitter. If I break into your home and take your things, you're going to get bitter. When a good friend, when a family member, when a pastor sins against you, you're really likely to become bitter because you've opened your heart to that person and you have a really high expectation of relationship together. Therefore, those that you love here in this church and in your families are most likely to provoke you to bitterness. Your husband, your wife, your parents, your brothers, your sisters, the people that you're close to here at this church. This was the case for Abraham, and he responds in faith and he releases Lot. Do you have enough faith to trust God and release? One of the great lies of bitterness, one of the great lies of bitterness that keeps us from the truth is the lie that someone else made you bitter. That, oh, that, how could I be anything but bitter? They made me bitter. Don't you see? I'm the victim here. Bitterness isn't my choice. Someone made me bitter. It's not your fault. You're a good person. They made you bitter. The truth is, and hear this, I'm not even sure quite if I understand this, uh, but I felt really stirred last night anyway, and I read it to Tiff, and she was like, Wow, I don't know what that means, but bitterness is caused by the condition of our own hearts. Bitterness is not what someone else does to you. Bitterness is caused by the condition of our own hearts. Our lives, uh, the scriptures tell us, flow out of the condition of our hearts, right? So when people sin against us, our response comes from what's already inside of us, not what somebody else did to us. Our response when someone bumps us comes from what already is inside of us and not what someone else has done to us. Jesus said it this way, a good man out of the good treasure of his heart, brings forth good. An evil man, out of the evil treasure in his heart, brings forth evil. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Amy Carmichael, who was a missionary to India for 55 years, you should listen to anyone who was a missionary to India for 55 years, said it this way. This is profound to me. For a cup brimful of sweet water cannot spill even one drop of bitter water, no matter how suddenly it is jolted. A cup that is filled with sweet water cannot spill even a drop of bitter water, no matter how severely it's jolted. 
If you spill a glass of sweet water, sweet water comes out. If you spill a glass of bitter water, bitter water comes out. The jolt only brings out what's inside the container. If you're filled with sweetness and you get bumped or jolted, sweetness comes out. But if you're filled with bitterness and you get bumped, bitterness will come out. Hear this. It's not the fault of the person who bumped you that you're bitter. It's not the fault of the person who jolted you. You don't know what I've been through. I don't. It's not the fault of the person who bumped you or jolted you that bitter water spilled from your cup. If it's not your choice, because I feel like we have a real victim mentality to this thing of bitterness. We don't understand that we have a choice in it, right? Why wouldn't I be bitter? I mean, we rehearse this stuff incessantly. Do you know what they did? Let me tell you, because I've been reliving it on a daily basis for the last 25 years. It's vivid. It's high def. It's 3D. It's alive. If it's not your choice, then why does God ask you to get rid of it? If it's something that you don't have control over, something that happens to you, then why does he say, see to it that a bitter root doesn't grow up inside of you and defile many people? If it's not your choice, why does Paul write in Ephesians, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with malice? Get rid of it. Get rid of your bitterness. The invitation for us today, and not just today, but every day, is to stop spending our energy justifying what we've done and start spending our energy repenting. Stop spending our energy being defensive, justifying why we are the way we are, and start spending our energy repenting. Who you really are is who you are when you get bumped. Who you really are is who you are when you get jolted. We can play games. You can think I'm the greatest guy in the world. Trav, his family, Tiff, they're such nice people. Bump me. You'll see who I really am. Really. God's designed this church to be just like uh, a demolition derby. <laughs> there will be bumping. There will be jolting. And we'll have a choice as what it, it, when bitterness spills over to acknowledge it to be what was inside of us or to say that was your fault. Why did you bump me? Why did you jolt me? We know that Abraham released Lot because of what happens next. Our faith needs to both, both release people and release our bitterness before the Lord, but our faith also, also needs to reach out. In fact, I think that we know that we've released when we begin to reach. Look what happens next. This, this is unbelievable. 
I think this is true faith, and it takes as, as much faith to do this, and it takes as much trust in God to do this as, as any miracle. Because this is what happened. Lot steps in, and he takes the sweet spot. He totally screws his uncle. War breaks out in the area that Lot chose, and Lot is hauled off. With all of his possessions, he's taken captive and he's hauled off. And if I were Abraham, let me tell you what I would be saying. Nice choice. You sowed that and now you need to reap it. I'd be probably standing thinking to myself... In some way serves him right. Serves him right to treat me that way. You made your bed. Now you sleep in it. I would be secretly delighting in evil. Not aloud. I would be saying things to my herdsmen like, Did you hear what happened a lot? That's a bum deal. Got hauled off. Everything. Everyone. Taken captive. It's a shame. I guess we'll hurt our flocks. You know, I wouldn't... Wouldn't be evident that I was delighting in evil. But inside, I'd be doing it. But that's not what love does, Right? Love doesn't delight in evil, but it rejoices in the truth. And love pursues. And God was able to release Abraham from his bitterness to the point where he was able to reach out to Lot. When Abraham heard that his relative had been taken captive, he let out his trained men. Born in his house, 318, and went in pursuit. He divided his forces against them by night, he and his servants, and defeated them, and pursued them as far as Hobah, which is north of Damascus. He brought back all the goods, and also brought back his relative Lot with his possessions, and also the women and the people. When we've been wronged, right? Somebody makes a decision. Maybe we've given them advice. Maybe we told them not to do something and they decided to do it anyways. And then all of a sudden they find themselves in a sticky situation. Do we pursue them? Or do we say things like, well, they can come to me, but I'm certainly not going to go to them. This happens often for me. And I am guilty of being bitter And I'm guilty of not pursuing people. I'm guilty of not releasing my bitterness. And it's becoming really evident to me that what happens is when I feel offended, when I feel like someone's wronged me, when I feel like I've invested so much in you, I poured so much into you, and then you decide to make these choices. Well, you might come back to me, but I'm definitely not going to pursue you in that. 
I'm definitely not going to run after you. And Abraham was a man of great faith. And he was able to not only release, but he was able to reach out and pursue Lot. The very person that had offended him. The very person that had sinned against him. The very person that had betrayed him. In the spirit of Christmas, I want you to remember that God has released us. And he's reached us in the person and work of Jesus Christ. He's released us. And he's reached us. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. Be kind to one another. Tender hearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. If you harbor bitterness... If, you, if you're here and you've harbored bitterness in your heart, you've lost your capacity to reach out. Releasing bitterness is absolutely essential to be willing to, to um, be able to reach out, to be able to pursue others in love. If you're here harboring bitterness towards someone that you'll see on Christmas Eve... You'll be unable to reach out to them, unable to connect with them, unable to pursue them in love. It's essential that you release your bitterness if you're going to be able to, in faith, reach out. And this Christmas, I'm, I'm begging you today to give the gift of forgiveness. Be generous, not just physically with things, but relationally with others. Be generous, give mercy. Release people. And begin to pursue them. Well, Travis, that sounds simple. How, how will we do that? I don't have any easy answers for that. But I believe often the people that come to me and continue to ask me, oh, how do I do that? I don't know how to do that. I don't know how to do that. Are the people that just don't want to do that. They don't want to do that. When you get clear on the fact that you want to release your bitterness, I believe God will show you how to do that. Well, I don't know how to do He's not been clear with me. I don't know how to do that. I don't know what to do. What am I supposed to just say to myself? I release them. The people that are constantly asking me, oh, I don't know how, are the people just simply that don't want to. If you want to release your bitterness, I believe that God will show you how to rid yourself of bitterness. But one of the things that we'll do here this morning, what time is it right now? 12.15? One of the things that we'll do here this morning is we'll provide some space. Lot has separated. Lot has left Abraham. And understand, understand that Lot was the heir to the promise. God had given Abraham a promise for his descendants. Abraham to this point didn't have any. Lot was it. 
Lot was connected to this promise and Lot had left. And I want to show you something because here's Abraham. He's still bleeding. He's still wounded. And this is what it says. And the Lord said to Abraham after Lot had separated from him. He's sitting there. He's still hurt. He's still wounded. He's still bleeding. And this is what comes from the Lord. Lift up your eyes and look from the place where you are. Lift up your eyes and look from the place that you are. And I want to invite you this morning to come. If you know this morning that you're holding... Now, you know that this is a window for you. You know this message is for you. You know that there's bitterness. Um, You know that there's something that God's wanting to deal with you with. uh, uh, Wanting to deal with you on. Those are the people that I want to invite. Don't just do this just to do this. But you have a sense that there's really something that God wants to do that you want to release someone that you've been holding on to and you want to begin to reach out to them. We're going to open up this altar so that you can respond to God, worship the Lord, and receive some prayer. And I believe, my belief is as as we come with the wounds that we have, they're real. I'm not trying to minimize what people have done to you, the wounds that you carry are real. And they're very real when they've happened within a close proximity. You might not be able to pin them like the magnitude. Well, my dad didn't beat me. I don't know why I'm so upset. Well, it's not the magnitude of the offense that causes bitterness. It's the proximity. It's how close it was. So I'm believing that as we come before the Lord the way that Abraham came before the Lord, bleeding, wounded, Lot had just left him, Lot had just separated from him. He thought the promise was dead. This was his descendant. This was it. This was his shot to fulfill God's call on his life. And the promise of the Lord comes to Abraham again. And God says to Abraham, Abraham, even though Lot is gone, this promise stands. Lift up your eyes and look from where you are. Don't stay where you're at. Lift up your eyes. Look from where you are. Abraham eventually moved on, set up his tent, and he built an altar to the Lord. Right in the middle of his woundedness, right in the middle of his hurt, right in the middle of his bleeding, he built an altar to the Lord and worshipped him. And I think that that had something to do. He was able to do that and there was a a window and he was able to release. So I'm going to pray and maybe Janelle, would you be willing to play? And I understand there's, there's families here and... You've probably got uh, plans to go to Kalima's or whatever. But I want to invite you. Don't miss this. Don't miss an opportunity. Don't miss an opportunity to release your bitterness to the Lord. Release that person. And then spend your holiday reaching out to them. You can do it. Abraham did it. He was as messed up as you are. Let's pray. It's a great way to end a sermon. Holy Spirit, uh, we need your power. We need you to actually break every chain. We recognize that we've chosen to be bitter. That we've justified it. And thought it was legitimate and blamed others. And we want to be people of faith We want to trust you and release the people that have sinned against us. 
We want to trust you and let go. If there's a person on the forefront of your mind, maybe a family member, maybe someone you're going to see this week, there, you know, it's like you can see their face in your head. I want to invite you to, to say, I release them. And I forgive because I'm a dearly loved child. And I forgive because Christ has forgiven me. Not because this person deserves forgiveness. Not because this person deserves to be released or deserves to be pursued. But because Christ, you've forgiven me. Thank you, Jesus, that we didn't deserve to be released and we didn't deserve to be reached out to. And Jesus, you came and released captives and reached us. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would help people who want to rid themselves of bitterness this morning to do so. That something would happen supernaturally. I know that we've tried and we've recited repeatedly, I forgive them, I forgive them, I forgive them. And it doesn't seem like anything has happened. I pray for faith to rise up in our church and that we would be able to believe you this morning, trust you, and release things to you. In Jesus' name, amen. You're free to go. You're free to stay. You're free to huddle up with someone in the church that you have bitterness against. You're free to come forward, build an altar before the Lord, and receive prayer. Thanks for listening. We want to be a resource for you as you walk with Jesus. So please connect with us at radiantvicelia.com.
Until next time. Ah! Uh-huh.